You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 355, Spotify know what's good for you, and it ain't R. Kelly. Hmm, now, what happens when marketing men take over cricket? And when musicians go missing? It's all coming up after Spiz Energy and Where's Captain Kirk? since I saw Spiz supporting Susie and the Banshees at the mm-hmm. Coronation Hall in Kingston-upon-Thames. And he's still going strong today. Uh, that was from 1979, a single that topped the UK indie chart. Spiz Energy. And where's Captain Kirk? Do you know, I think that still stands up today. I recently started mm. a fairly new sort of DJing project with a friend of mine, and um, we were DJing recently, and mm. she's very into sort of new wavy type things. And uh, there was a moment where we both reached for that single at the same moment, mm. and then uh, and then decided we, did, we had a bit of a brief debate, and then decided nobody would play in the end, which is a shame, actually. Mm. We cut our nose off to spite our face there, because it is every time I've played it when DJing live, because I have done it more than once playing out, someone always comes up and goes, I haven't heard this in years, I love yeah. this, it's still sounds so good it does it's, it's absolutely great and only like a two minutes 15 seconds long so it, again it doesn't outstay it, its welcome absolutely. And the interesting thing about it is is that there was obviously a new wave and star trek there were mm. a few star trek themed singles um stands up rather better than star trekking by the firm oh, in my Lord, humble opinion my giddy aunt yes no i think where's captain coke one of the best sort of uh punk post-punk singles of them all really you could probably put it up well i would put it up with sort of london calling sound of the suburbs i'd have it right up there as one well, of the, well it, yes although 
although I might pull you up slightly on that in that I would consider Sound of the Suburbs and um, London Calling to be punk mm. and I would consider this to be post-punk. post-punk I think yes, they're very different fair. genres. Yeah. Welcome to the podcast from the Parish Council. It's episode 355. I'm Who knows where the time goes? How are we here? I can't believe it. Well, you know, 355 of these. I'm Terence Stackham and no need to ask, where's Juliet Harris? Because she's right here. I mean, that is mildly less catchy, isn't it, really? <laughs> I mean, we still go back to the fact that you can fit my name to the old Jeremy Corbyn chant. I think perhaps that's a, a slightly more comfortable fit, despite our somewhat differing views. I think Spears, if he was looking for a 2018, you know, remix, I think, you know, where's Juliet Harris? Mm, mm, mm. I, no, if I think it could work. If he's looking for a, a modern-day cultural mm. icon, then uh, they yeah. clearly, you know, here I am. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, we're used to Spotify being in the news, entertainment news, usually as as we learn some new stats about the company's value or latest numbers on how streaming music is taking over Mm -hmm. from physical product and so on. Now, this week... So Spotify is is it's crossed over. Spotify has crossed over into the main news with a couple of stories. Earlier in the week, uh, newspapers here in the UK reported that the chief economist with the Bank of England gave mm. a speech in which he disclosed that market researchers we they're using people's Spotify listening stats to determine the public mood, uh, tracking consumer spending, all to better understand customer behaviour. Some may feel that's a bit intrusive, but the Spotify news from the end of the week was perhaps more startling in some ways because Mm. Billboard magazine reported that from Thursday, a couple of days ago, 10th of May, Spotify users will no longer find R. Kelly's music on any playlists. This is under their new, Spotify's new public hate content and hateful conduct policy. Now, how do you feel about this, Jules? Are you happy to pass the responsibility for what you might or might not listen to over to Spotify? Well, this is so interesting, isn't it? And my, my mind seems to change on this every 10 minutes, really. It's a, it's a situation that have got, that's got so many different potential branches to it. And it made me think about... Um, about sort of i suppose you could you could divide this possibly if we'd step away from the kind of mm. wider point wider point of you know who should control what we listen to if you want if you want to if you want to accept the point that perhaps there should be some level of um consequence for people that behave badly mm. i suppose maybe we can put it like that mm. and um when we talk about behaving badly and whether or not they've been adjudged to behave badly, whether or not people have been formally charged with things and convicted with things, maybe. Because, of course, R. Kelly is very, very problematic. I mean, he has um, had many accusations of sexual misconduct for years and years and years. Um, There have been various sort of exposés, this weird kind of predatory behaviour, not so much necessarily... A, a one-off assaults or, 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 or sexual assaults of such nature, but the idea that he seems to attract very young women mm. and sort of coerce them into relationships of unequal power and they don't seem to be able to get away, if you see what mm. I mean. So so mm. these accusations have been going on for years and years and years and it gets to the point where, you know, and this is the sort of vexatious issue with, with, with rape charges and perhaps with, you know, to, to the lesser end of the style, kiss and tell claims. Mm. Um, 
you know, whether or not those claims are true and whether you get a volume of claims because there are unscrupulous people trying to cash in or whether, in fact, if a woman does go public with that claim, the cost of her quote-unquote cashing in is so much greater than any benefit she receives that it seems obvious that perhaps there is something to this, if you see what I mean. Mm. Now, R. Kelly's people have spent years saying, oh, he's just being... I mean, they have literally played the race card. Oh, he's just being accused of this because he's a successful black man, which is, you know, how does that work? If his if his if his apparent victims are also black, I don't understand. Anyway, so so perhaps you might be able to say, well, is it appropriate? Although there are accusations against uh, R. Kelly, as far as I understand, nothing's been proven in court yet. So maybe maybe it's inappropriate just what to do that at this stage. Whereas if you compare the case of the Lost Profits. Mm. who were a band that had some success they were sort of a quote-unquote new metal band um they had success to some extent over the world although they were particularly they were from wales originally so particularly Mm. famous over here in the uk um early 2000s i think pretty much the lead singer ian watkins was convicted of extremely serious child pornography offenses i mean extremely serious as a result of which the band packed in and then started under a new name with a different singer or thing. I do have sympathy mm. with the blokes in the band who genuinely had no idea of what was going on because uh, it was this this chap's private life. Um, and in those circumstances, although I have a great deal of sympathy for the original members of the band, I see much more the argument of, you know, should this guy really be making any money or, you know, this guy's estate be making any... I, I can't remember if he's still alive or not, but should they be making any money from, you know... Having behaved so appallingly, I don't know, but I think I agree with you. I suspect you're going to be unhappy with Spotify's censorship, and I, I'm I'm inclined to sort of have some sympathy for that, particularly where people where there haven't been any accusations in court. But having said that, I, I am inclined to believe women that that you know that take the risk and take the risk of public shame and a damage of their own position. It shouldn't be that that like that, but it is. If they take, if, you know, they make accusations against very rich and powerful men. I think of Bill Cro- Bill Cosby as well, who eventually was brought to justice. But you know, people having their reputations trashed for uh, for you know for making accusations against successful men in positions of very unequal power. If you see what I mean. So, part of me wants. You know, if if Parmy wants them to have to pay for that unacceptable behaviour, frankly, but equally, if they haven't been, I don't know, there, there still has to be a natural justice process, I suppose. So, so I I'm uncomfortable with R. Kelly's mm. behaviour. I'm uncomfortable with the fact that it never seems to be those people who lose their careers, or if they are eventually brought to justice, there seems to be a pretty quick retribution path. Whereas there, there is the reputational damage for the actual victims always seems to be far greater. I looked into this a little bit this week because I, th- mm. I was thinking to myself, um, if R. Kelly gets dropped from playlists, what about Jonathan King? What about Gary Absolutely, Glitter? Yes. And I checked, both of them have their work on Spotify, but neither mm. of those two seem to appear on any, any playlist. So whether that's coincidence, mm. I don't know. Uh, but they... I mean, you would expect. I wonder if it isn't a coincidence, because mm. if you were doing a 70s glam rock playlist... You think you would, would have, yes. Gary Glitter, and probably Jonathan King mm, as well, actually. Exactly. If you were doing any sort of 70s playlist, you would expect the two of them 
if you're taking everything out of the equation and just looking at who was successful and who was the sound of the 70s, I can't see how you wouldn't have at least the glitter band there and probably probably Jonathan King as well. Um, I th- you're, you're right about sort of my thoughts on this. I mean, as always with these issues, I have an element of... Cons- I'm sorry to, 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 to predict <laughs> this, but I feel we know each other well enough by now. Yeah, I just concern about someone else taking decisions for me about what I can or can't watch yeah. or listen to. But then... If Spotify's move, if this move means that people who have committed awful crimes, and as you say, we've got to stress that R. Kelly hasn't yet been convicted of anything, but people who have been you know, committed terrible crimes or have behaved appallingly, which may be more appropriate to say in this case, if they don't get their music promoted like that terrible guy from The Lost Prophets as well, mm. then I'm coming down in favour. You know, I I, yeah. I don't want people deciding what I can and can't listen to. But on the other hand, I don't want people uh, who have done heinous things to profit or continue to be yeah. famous. And so, I'll come down on the favour of saying I'll ha- I'll be happy for Spotify. I, I mean, at least dropping it's people thin, from promoted thin, playlists. You know, yes, you can I still listen to the right. music, yeah. but yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, because I mean, the other thing, Jules, sorry to say, but you know, you still, yeah. you know, quite fair enough, you know, you still like physical product vinyl and CDs. Just as a sort of final thought, do you mm-hmm. think that people convicted of crimes like the, the Watkins fellow, uh, like uh, Glitter, like Jonathan King, should their CDs or vinyl LPs be available in, you know, your friend's um, record store or any record stores? It's that, That's also mm. a poser, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, yes. And I agree, and I think there is there is a thin line on this, and I think it is a question of degree to some extent as well, which is which are a typical BBC balance type thing to say, <laughs> I suppose. But um, but yeah, I I if I was running a shop and I had the choice to stock these or not stock these, I would probably take the choice not to stock mm. these. And if people want to spend their money elsewhere, then that's fine. But I don't want to facilitate these people making money. Yeah. Now a couple of weeks ago. There was a big mm. fanfare about a revolution in cricket. Uh, the one hundred ball game. There's a why in the month, so there must be oh, surely. Well, indeed. Now the details of this hundred ball game um, are emerging. Everyone's getting a bit queasy about it. Mm. Uh, that's next after Robbie Williams.
I mean, I don't know why you sound so surprised. I mean, I have to say that, that, that you know, now that I'm, you know, reaching my autumnal years and therefore I'm un- bothered about what people think of me, I can now finally admit to myself that he has done a lot of songs that I really quite like. And actually, I find that Robbie Williams' we- uh, tunes really suit good weather, actually. Mm. I found myself listening to several during the, the, the hot bank holiday weekend over here recently. Um, I really like that. And I've also rather vainly picked it to impress you because I know what a big <laughs> fan you are of Lewis Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the one of the great lost mm. musical heroes of the last 20 or 30 years so um, so that was a Lewis Taylor cover I hope it's uh, just speaking about people profiting from things mm. I hope that in a way I feel that morally it is right for him to make pots of money off of that because he, he could make the pots of money that he should have made off of his previous excellent records and didn't um, and also I think it's a great cover and I think it mm. really suits Robbie Williams's voice it was a very shrewd pick whoever picked it because he is excellent at that kind of light sort of um falsetto kind of um that sort of upbeat sort of mm. disco pop almost prince style pop i think i could imagine prince doing a tune like this which uh, i hope is the huge compliment that i intend it to be um mm. it's brilliant i i just love it I, I i it does make me dance around the kitchen and that's usually a good sign in my world no i agree i love it and as as um the album 
uh, I think the album went platinum all around the world and the single of Love Light by Robbie Williams was a great hit um, yeah, well. also around the world I do suspect you're right I think Lewis Taylor's probably made a healthy income from royalties since 2006 I think that was so uh, yeah. I'm all very glad for that yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting you know that despite being famous and having hits all across Europe and Australia Robbie Williams is completely unknown in America he's never had one single hit mm. he doesn't that travel at all Yes. Well, it's really even even the um, even the, uh, the the fantastically named swing where you're when you're winning mm. and its sequel swings both ways. <laughs> um, I, I do. I mean, Robbie Williams doesn't take himself seriously, and actually, mm. that's very much something to like about him. I'll, I'll do a quick story about Robbie Williams, mm. which I've always been entertained. I, I I can't remember the full dids of it, but he was away. Um, I think he was in Munich or somewhere like that in Germany. This was a story that I got off the pop bitch emailer, by the way, years ago, which mm. is, is brilliant still. And they said that he had um, he'd eaten in this quite famous restaurant club place over in Munich or Berlin or wherever it was in Germany or Hamburg, possibly. And he'd written in the guest book. They said they had, apparently it was reported from the staff that he'd been very nice to everyone and was, oh, was you know, not a nightmare like famous mm. people often are and wrote in the guest book. Thank you very much for the nicest thing I've ever eaten in Germany. Well, in a restaurant anyway oh. lots of love Robbie Williams oh, dear, dear. <laughs> big fan of Robbie <laughs> yeah. now almost every year <clears throat> excuse me the people in charge of cricket decide that the the game is too slow or too boring and they say that changes must be made and this really isn't anything new because it reminded me I, I can remember back um, in 1980 going to Chelsea's football ground at Stamford mm. Bridge to see Essex play the West Indies at cricket and mm. it was all very strange um, some of the boundaries naturally were very short because it's a football ground <laughs> and yeah. um, I can, what I do remember I remember Viv Richards smashing 50 runs almost all in boundaries in about 20 minutes but then, of course, it being August in England, the rain started to fall and uh, the game was uh, abandoned. But my, my main memory um, is going to see Chelsea play a dull game in the league a couple of days later. And all the crowd started chanting, bring back the cricket. Um, <laughs> <laughs> summed up Chelsea then, possibly now as well, actually. But well, the, yes, <laughs> the very, come to mention it. Yeah, the very latest innovation from the England and Wales Cricket Board is a, is a new hundred ball competition designed to attract new and younger people to cricket grounds. Each side bowls a hundred balls. The side who scores the most runs wins, and the whole thing is over in a couple of hours. Um, but but Jules, many people are now beginning to question the win- wisdom of this. Y- Yet another new format. Um, you know, when you examine the details, is this really going to 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 bring a new generation to cricket? Well, I mean, and I can I can kind of see. I mean, part of me thinks, oh, why do they mess around with cricket? Mm. I love Test cricket, you know, and and you know they have brought in shorter forms of the game as well. Do we really need yet another form of the game? I I, I admire cricket for trying to modernise because I think it is unrealistic and uh, perhaps to expect a game to stay the same and not evolve at all and still have the same audience. Although it does make me rather sad that a reason behind it seems to be people's attention spans. And I I thought the whole point of one day cricket, or what a friend of mine used to rather charmingly call 50-50 cricket, um, (laughs) which uh, or or my dad rather less charmingly calls pyjama cricket. Um, I don't, I, I mean, I thought the point of that was that was the middle point between five day 
test test cricket and you know the smasher armor of the 2020 stuff I, I i struggle to see why we need yet another form now if we need another form because one of those forms is not working then surely you ditch one of the other forms mm. i do think four forms of one game otherwise it seems a bit excessive otherwise it might turn into again my dad he seems to be very cynical about a lot of things he's also started to think about boxing saying that there are as many boxing weight mm. belts as there are people in the world and we just all have a turn at having one each. <laughs> i mean i don't want cricket to get like that as well where every team in the world has their own format um i find the hundred the thing that makes this particularly weird this this mm. sort of hundred ball cricket thing is the fact that um it's described as gimmick gimmicky i mean i feel sorry for people who were still genuinely trying to play county cricket it by the way because it seems like they are getting squeezed out and squeezed out and squeezed out and it's a little bit you know sort of people complain why the england cricket team are bad and it's like well if you will continue denigrating the one major form of the game in which they actually come through which is county cricket then i mean it would be a bit like introducing three other leagues of equivalence to the premier league and then wondering why nobody plays for england anymore or why england the pants really um according to this quote that i can't remember it came from that it, it might have been the times it was one of the papers um someone tweeted it on twitter and i retweeted it mm. the most ridiculous thing about it is it seems to be the worst of all worlds. It seems to be a bit like the IPL in that they want to attract the biggest stars, but then they don't really know what to do with them. Um, the ECB, English Cricket Board, um, outlined the uh, the rationale for the hundred, as it's called, which in its in its own way it sounds like a sort of a weird cult um, <laughs> sort of designed by people. It sounds like a cult designed by people on a Friday afternoon who've had too many smoothies, if you feel what I mean, um, at the meeting, and also revealed that England stars such as Joe Root, the captain, and Ben Stokes, who I know he's had quote unquote issues recently but he's still one of england kind of you know sort of big hopes isn't he really like yes. or not uh, well they're not even going to play in the competition because it clashes with the international calendar the lights of root and stokes will be allocated to a team for marketing purposes but they won't play mitchell said the ecb made the point that this new audience won't necessarily know who stokes and root are i mean there is uh, where do you start with that sentence really i mean for marketing purposes seems to be sort of you know the idea that this is basically a gimmick marketing and this isn't necessarily to I, I, I feel this is a, this is an image thing rather than a substance thing and the idea that you want people to watch cricket who don't know who the two major England cricketers are surely you try and educate people watching it rather than necessarily changing the key personnel because it doesn't fit with the audience that you want it seems to be completely rear about face in my view yeah it's, it's typically arrogant and misplaced uh, that the cricket authorities say it doesn't matter um that the big stars are, uh, yeah joe root Ben Stokes, etc., won't be playing in this hundred ball cricket, and, and that's usually encouraging for England cricket stars. No. I, I know we now live in a world where they are remunerated for their time quite handsomely with the central contracting when they weren't previously, but still, it's still, it's still pretty, pretty, uh, pretty unkind, I think, to those it is, people. And saying, yeah, saying the new audience probably won't know who Stokes or Root are anyway. I mean, this, it, it suggests that the ECB believe that they can dress anyone up in colourful cricket kit. And as long as a few players bash a few sixes into the crowd, um, nobody cares who's playing. Which is is rubbish, absolutely. And also, as you say, it's, it's... I, I somehow feel as well this is why I think it's rather unkind to the players and rather short-sighted the ECB I sort of feel that they're implying that it is the fault of Root and Stokes that people don't know <laughs> who they are rather than the general public for not actually watching cricket I mean I do I don't know it it, it, it does seem a bit um it, it seems a bit desperate if I'm honest actually I think that's the vibe that I'm getting 
Uh, to, to me, it looks like just another way for the ECB and the authorities to, to ruin cricket even further. Uh, that's, that's... With, with a lack of any understanding of yes. what cricket really is and, and what its appeal is, I think. Being in the public eye, being famous, a lot of people's goal in life um, mm. is, is to be so, is to be famous. And it can be very rewarding in many ways. It's also a path lined with danger. That's next after Kane Gang.
Oh, a, a, deli- a, a delicious summary production, but uh, Motortown. Mm-hmm. It, it takes a harsh look at the reality of the building of a Nissan car factory in the northeast of England. So, you know, summary sound, but quite a, 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 a strong message within it. It should have been a, a much bigger hit. Number 45 in the UK, uh, number 36 on the Billboard Hot 100 from 1987, Kane Gang and Motortown. And of course the Nissan factories in the in the northeast of England might suddenly become that might become relevant again within yeah. the next year or two depending on what happens um, uh, following our departure from the EU. Absolutely. Now Jules, assuming you're not opening the bowling for England uh, in, the, in the upcoming test match this week. I mean I would laugh and say that that's not a possibility but well. you know no one knows who I am so maybe you know maybe this is a chance for you know a hot new cricketer to uh, to come on the scene because you know given that no one knows who root and stokes are exactly. it could be worse couldn't it absolutely yeah so if you're not doing that where where can we find you in the next week well, in the next week, you can find me hmm. doing Indie Wonderland on oh, Wednesday good. evening on barricaderadio.com, doing a Britpop special oh, this lovely. week. If you've got anything that you'd like to be played that you think encapsulates Britpop, then do tweet me at superjewels 84 or hmm. tweet the show, which is at Indie underscore Wonder, and you can catch us from 8 until 10pm Wednesday evening on barricaderadio.com. Sounds good. Um, thanks to you for listening. And um, also, thanks yes, to, you really, yeah. yeah. Thanks to executive producer Rona, um, as always, yeah, yeah. Musicians and, and and famous people and and the the, the pressures upon them. Just up the road from me, uh, in the Surrey Hills, is a is a beauty spot called Newlands Corner. You can park up there and look down on the gorgeous mm. um, North Downs and the lovely little villages that have actually been there, and it is lovely. Oh, it is, yeah. It, in, it, the villages that interspersed the hills, the valleys, and so on. Now, whenever I go past Newlands Corner, I always think about Agatha Christie, because back in December 1926, 92 years ago, Agatha Christie, at the height of her fame as an author, drove from her home in Sunningdale, um, drove to Newlands Corner, where she abandoned her car with the the motor running and the headlights on, um, on the edge of a, a chalk quarry. And there was massive public interest, front page news and all the papers. The woods were searched, ponds were dredged, £100 reward offered for information. And to cut what is a very long story short, 11 days later, Agatha Christie was spotted by a waiter as she dined at an hotel in Harrogate Mm. uh, in Yorkshire. She was reunited with her family. The truth of what happened was never revealed. No, Um, I've never I've never read it. Mm. Well, one one delightful fact is, uh, really strange fact is that a car abandoned at that quarry was discovered by a young lad called George Best, uh, the, the, the young boy that <laughs> found the car. Anyway, but the point is that although fame and glory uh, can bring great rewards, both financially and for the ego and the soul, it can mm. also bring enormous stress, as per Agatha Christie there. And um, I knew Joe Strummer a bit, mm. Joe Strummer of The Clash, and I can recall a, a couple of occasions when he told me when we were just chatting sort of privately just the two of us that he simply wanted to disappear and get away from everything and everyone and he did do that a few times um popping popping over to europe and just getting out of communication with anyone um the most famous example and reported by the press at the time was in the early 80s when um strummer he potted around france for several weeks as an anonymous as he as he could be, and we may remember as well, you know, Stephen Fry, a, a long time oh, yes, ago now, yes. you know, disappearing after a, a, having an anxiety attack when he was appearing in a play in London, and he he disappeared over to Belgium. So, Jules, being famous 
can bring more pressure and stress than it does rewards. Yes, it can. And actually, I think there's an interesting thing that links all these people here and the examples that I'm going to give as well, which is when we talk about people that want to be famous, I think there's a difference between people that genuinely want to be famous and don't really mind what they want to be famous for. So I think, you know, nowadays that manifests itself with reality TV stars, doesn't it? Or all these structured reality TV stars. Um, but in these case of all these people, they became well known, I suppose, famous for something that they did that was or, or rather sort of their work mm. their artistic mm. work and i think that sometimes if you want to become known for your work that's a slightly different thing to being quote unquote famous mm. i think if you see what i mean so if you want your work to succeed like advocacy you want people to buy your books or you know joe stummer you want people to listen to your music or come to watch you or stephen fry you want people to you know to come and watch you in plays or enjoy your work generally um I think that if you then if you then have a lot of um, attention centered on you as a person rather than your work I think that can that must be very discombobulated and that must be very kind of disconcerting. I mean, I do things artistically. I don't have anywhere near. Apart from this lovely podcast, I don't have anywhere near that level of, of profile. But I remember I used to do stand up a little bit when I was younger, and I remember. Um, maybe it was it was after i'd stopped doing it so it was a few months after i'd stopped doing it i was at a party a dressing up party and um, i think it was for the one of the it was for william and kate's royal wedding i think so this was you know a while afterwards but some years ago now and i was dressed in a sort of a, a red white and blue type suit and i had a painted <laughs> mustache on and a huge top hat so you know i was not necessarily at my best or at my most normal and i got talking to a woman in a mask and and she said, I took my hat off, and she went, I know you, you're the comedian. And she was really pleasant, but I found it disconcerting because mm. obviously I wasn't doing it at that point, which was even more disconcerting. But it was really weird that kind of, you know, someone... And it happened when I went to play badminton once and, and this woman stared at me and said, did you used to do comedy in pubs? And then she and her husband were very kind. Mm. But I found that disquieting. And that was such a micro level mm. of fame, literally famous within my own postcode and nowhere else. I mean, that's such a small level. So I can imagine, and I wasn't doing stand-up necessarily to be famous or to be known. I did it because I enjoyed doing it. And I wanted to do more of it. And, and the same with my radio shows. I just want to do radio. I, you know, I don't necessarily want to be in hello, if you see what I mean. And it is, and it is very odd that I can imagine it being quite discombobulated. And, you know, if you, are, if, you are, if you enjoy doing art and if you enjoy producing artistic work, I don't know. I mean, sometimes you might have a different temperament but bothering in the arts than necessarily for doing something else, which means you might have a more mercurial tem temperament and therefore find it even harder to deal with public fame than you might be if you are, a, you know, a nice outgoing person who just, you know, likes likes reading stuff off a news autocue. I don't. I'm not denigrating that, but I think they're different sort of mindsets, perhaps. And it makes me think of Richie Edwards from the Manics, who famously disappeared in the it was 93 or 94 i think and has never returned and and i don't know until fairly recently the manics were still the other manic street preachers were still paying in a quarter of their earnings into a, a fund in case he did he did reappear and there have been numerous reported sightings a bit like lord lucan really and and you know he's he's never come back 
even if he is still alive they did they, they his car was found abandoned by the seven i think and they did find a foot at one point which they thought might be his but then i think it turned out not to be even if he is still alive he doesn't want to be found clearly but um but i you know i it, it is difficult i think and i think if you are of an artistic temperament and you suddenly get lots of attention that must be really hard and um i i, I we thought we'd talk about this this week because unfortunately a, a story in the news this week a band called frightened rabbit who i knew from having heard on um on bbc radio one when i worked in a particularly miserable job in lewis for a few months which was made particularly miserable by the fact that we had to have radio one on all day um but there were a few songs that i used to kind of grab as life blankets i think i've talked about this before and we pitched laura and vula once on the on the basis of that but um there was this song called the Woodpile by a band called frightened rabbit and i really really liked it because it had that sensibility that scottish rock and scottish indie often seems to have i can't sum it up but they do seem to produce particularly interesting and humane music up there and I really liked this for that reasons and uh, so I was very sad to see earlier in the week that um, their Twitter account was reporting that their singer Scott Hutchison had gone missing and they didn't know where he was he'd walked out of a hotel where his side project band were playing his brothers in that band as well as in Frightened Rabbit with him and Grant was tweeting they didn't know where he was he'd left at one o'clock in the morning where was he he could come back you know there, there wasn't any problem they you know everyone would try and look after him and Scott had been very open about the fact that he had mental health problems that he was he was drawn to darkness and unfortunately a body was found uh, sometime later and it turned out to be his and so there's also the point to be made you know the usual things that were said after about how important it is to talk about mental health and if we all talk about our mental health that makes it easier which is very true having said that he had been talking about mental health for years and, and some of us feel at the moment that the problem is not that we're not talking enough about it but that you know mental health services are being cut to within you know an inch of their life and that is the problem i feel at the moment so so i hope that this is a wake-up call that yes politicians can talk all they like about the mental health crisis and how it is good to talk but you know we need money we need resources to try and help sort this out and there is a particular epidemic it would seem amongst young men and um, men men sort of 40 and below um some friends of mine are involved in a charity called calm which is called the campaign against living miserably which is a uh, particularly uh, based around male suicide so um so i think that's something you know that, that there needs to be more attention and more resources put into but in the meantime um to mark the passing of scott i do love this song i think it's brilliant and i'm i'm so sorry for his friends and family and their loss and I'm sorry that they won't produce any more records because I think they were terrific. So these are Frightened Rabbit and this is The Woodpile.
You have been listening to a DAC Media Production.